Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Kings of misinformation themselves, the respectable, the badasses, the guys that never uh, never bend the knee. Dr. Pierre Corey, Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Robert Malone, best known for inventing the mRNA vaccine technology and your nine patents, which uh, everyone refuses to uh, recognize. And Dr. Pierre Corey with the FLCCC and Dr. Merrick uh, fearlessly using ivermectin to keep, as Dr. McCall would say, 85% of uh, deaths or 85% of deaths out of the hospital. And as Dr. Freed would say, 99%. But with that, gentlemen, there's really two ways to go into this. And Dr. Malone and I did really the first episode, episode 495. And it's the quote unquote, smaller uh, uh, elephant in the room. And it's the VAERS deaths. But as things move forward, you're starting to pull off more of the sheet. You're starting to uncover more of the dinosaur in the dirt. And you're seeing just how many more deaths are involved with the suppression of early treatment. And now, and there's a, there is a purpose aside from just getting you guys on here because all of my most viewed episodes are with Dr. Malone. So I do have a bias and I do have conflicts of interest. But one thing I really was thinking about, because Dr. Corey, I listened to your interview with Joe Rogan last night and this morning, again, back to back. To me, I think the most beneficial thing I could do, aside from just beating a dead horse, is are there predictions or are there definitive statements that either of you could make? Because the one thing you can look back on is you can say, we've known masks weren't working. And then they say they don't work. We know mandates weren't the way to go. And then they say, well, maybe they weren't the way to go. And they gaslight everyone into completely just brushing aside everything they've done. So I feel like the only way to actually make a difference would be for maybe you guys to make predictions or statements now, Tuesday, February 15th, 2022, at 2.07 p.m. Eastern time, so that in a day, a week, a month, or a year, when they finally admit to what you guys will now be predicting, this can be pulled up at that future time and say, these physicians were right then. What are they right about now? Whatever now is. Because I can't shut my mouth. Dr. Corey or Dr. Malone, one of you guys take it away. Yeah. You're always first. Yeah, so I mean, I had a couple of thoughts. So Tommy, you're obviously a smart guy. I've listened to a couple of your episodes. I listened to you with Paul. I mean, you know, implicit in your question is that there's going to come a time where there's an open admission to that. Um, and then that second question would follow, you know, wow, these guys had it right for a long time. Uh, what else could they have gotten right or what else are they getting right now? You know, I don't want to sound so cynical or negative, but, you know, what I've seen a lot of with these policies that are clearly failed, clearly scientifically either illogical or just not scientifically based, is I'm still seeing a lot of doubling down. Um, I mean, I, I don't see a walk back of those positions. I don't see an admission. You see a little bit. So, like, I saw this ridiculous Dr. Leanne Wen, oh who's just been spouting all sorts of nonsense on any given day. But it was really interesting, her messaging recently which is that she put on this like happy face that these mass mandates were kind of being walked back. But implicit in her, in her explanation was that this is all part of the plan. We always were waiting for cases to die down and for this to become less emergency. So now we're walking and as if this was normal and totally rational and in line with all their previous policies. And so, so when you, when I hear that, like, I think that's a taste of that walk back, which is, you know, they kind of knew they were going to do this all along and they knew that the vaccines, they, they might even admit, we knew the vaccines were only going to temporize things until things got better in Omicron. Like they can write whatever narrative they can. I'm so cynical at this point. Like, I just don't see like an open and honest admission, at least on the public face from institutions and agencies and academia, that my small band of brothers and sisters here, uh, what we've been spouting or 
you know, advocating for for so long, um, boy, we should have listened to them. I, I, I don't think the the phrase comes out like that. But but you know, at the same time, and I don't want to give too long an answer. I, I think there is going to be some sort of reckoning. I mean, if they don't say it, I think there's going to be a critical mass of people who are going to recognize it, and they're going to say, "Wow." We were led to not listen to these guys, to think of them as fringe and radical and and all the attacks that Robert has endured and myself has endured. Um, my hopes is that the next time something critical comes and you have these big institutions putting out stuff, that they're going to listen to dissidents and they're going to listen to a broader, uh, you know, range of voices. And and. Whether it's us, you know, if it's another viral pandemic, I think we'll have something to say. If it's some other financial crash or, you know, that, then, then that's out of my wheelhouse. I'll just stand sure. down and listen. Uh, then, then talk to Chris Martinson of Peak Prosperity. But um, I don't know. That, that's just some of my thoughts. I, I just, I see doubling down. And I'll, I'll just tell you why, um, Tommy. I mean, I wrote about it in my Substack last night, but like Yesterday, my wife told me, she's a physician, she's employed by a major university, she told me that she has to get boosted with this Wuhan strain pseudo-vaccine for Omicron by May, she's done. So when I say they're doubling down, I mean, they are so far off the reservation where science is telling us we should be, and they're going further. I don't know if that's happening everywhere because agreed, right? Europe, lots of countries in Europe rolling back mandates. Canada's doing stuff. I think I heard, actually, I saw a little headline today. DC mayors talking about rolling back stuff. So it's happening in pockets, but there's still, I don't know, strongholds of resistance, right, Robert? Yeah, is that a pass off here? Yeah, that's a pass off. <laughs> when I say your name, that's like when I'm passing off. <laughs> and by the way, I want to—I like humor because everything becomes doom and gloom. So um, I want to talk about my patent, Tommy. I have one patent. I don't have nine like really super fancy patents like Robert does. But you want to know what my patent is? What's your patent? I'll tell it a brief story. Two minute drill. <laughs> I was running an ICU when I was like a second year attending, and there was a massive outbreak of Clostridium difficile in our in our ICU. And everybody had the gown and glove for everybody. It was so laborious. It was hot summer day. And I was gowning and gloving. And all, like, the ancillary staff, like respiratory therapists and nurses, were all going in and out of the rooms without putting on gowns. Like, they touched the pump. They touched the vent. And I was just like, how come I'm the only one putting on a gown? So then I came with a brilliant idea of a gown dispenser. Motion triggered. It would sit over the, uh, the, the doorway of the room. And like, as you approach, the gown would drop down. It would have like an open entry in the back. You could put your hands in. You just go in. Everyone would gown. And I just want to finish the story by saying, I enlisted my best friend, my brother, $40,000. Two years later, three sets of engineers, a patent. Uh, we decided that we were going to keep our day jobs and we let it go. So, well, so Robert, that's my patent story, well, sir. Well, a gown dispenser. And, and by the way, as I went into it, I was realizing, almost like when you embark on a coronavirus vaccine, I was like, you know, I want to build a gown dispenser and I still can't get a paper towel out of an airport bathroom when I finished washing my hands. So like, I kind of felt like it might not be the right area of well, technology. I will... I'll I'll insert my own patent. I'm the only podcaster, as well as I'm aware, and on the planet who has interviewed both Dr. Malone and a man who has walked on the moon. And where has Ooh. that got me? In a 700 square foot apartment in a shit town in Maryland. So you know, same thing. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's any winning in there. But Dr. Malone, we will stop talking. You're right. So, so uh, those nine patents, by the way, those aren't our only ones. Uh, <laughs> he had to dig so in. So now, now my gown so dispenser even, even is more humble. Let me finish the thread, though. I'll kick Man, the I'll I'll love, uh, One Susan B. Anthony dollar. Uh, so um, uh, there it is. I, I, I guarantee I've spent more money on lawyers than I've ever received in patents. And revenue and believe that. Uh, somebody made billions. Yeah, but this Jill likes to say somebody made billions. It just wasn't me. <laughs> All right. It just wasn't you guys. <laughs> so uh, the crystal ball question. Um, I thought you were going to give us the big why question, which is the worst of the lot. Oh, uh, well, that's the. But the crystal ball question. Um, having been through multiple pandemics. Uh, the, the cynics version of how will you know when it's over is uh, when they start giving each other awards and patting each other on the back. Oh, God. And, and I, 
And I don't just say that lightly. I've seen it again and again and again. Uh, so uh, good to know. So there's one prediction is we will know that it's over when uh, they start giving each other medals and awards. Uh, I'm talking about the, the gubbies. Um, uh, I just had an hour and a half conversation with an interesting gentleman, Neil Oliver, from the UK, from Great Britain News, who called me uh, with some questions. I don't want to go too deep into that because it was a personal conversation. But he did share with me that the UK is now normalizing testing for autoimmune deficiency syndrome. Uh, that that the population should get used to having to be tested for that. That implies uh, a growing... Wait, Robert, Robert, acquired immune deficiency or autoimmune? Uh, acquired, so AIDS. Okay, yeah, you said autoimmunity, so I just want to make sure, because there is a yeah. lot of autoimmunity going on, but I assume that's all I meant. Yeah, so uh, acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Um, so uh, we do have these data from DOD, uh, which are aligned with the data from Ryan Cole, suggesting that the uh, cancer risk signal is real. The, uh, so that we, we uh, and then we have the actuarial insurance industry data uh, from multiple sources now in their uh, fourth quarter reports from the prior year demonstrating a sharp rise in 2021 in all-cause mortality as well as um, disability. So we, we would call those uh, morbidity. Uh, so uh, the, the challenge in interpreting those data is the CDC is now um, trying to normalize the idea that the virus itself has an up to 12-month lag time in mortality associated with the virus infection. Uh, there have been many people warning uh, throughout the course of this that we may see a, a major wave in mortality and disability uh, and, uh, through a combination of the effects of the virus and the effects of the vaccine. And many of those people have been focusing on speculation that this is going to be vaccine related. Uh, we are seeing data that are consistent with that. So in terms of the crystal ball, I think uh, we, we should be uh, anticipating that there may be a wave of mortality and uh, disability um, that has not yet peaked. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, that is that is um, uh, not directly associated with the virus infection and uh, may have a significant component of vaccine-related uh, adverse events. Uh, I think that uh, we, so it, it, we have- Is that going to interfere with the awards, Robert? Um, no, they will do everything they can to normalize it. Uh, and uh, yep. that we're seeing that. Um, so, uh, you know, I, being facetious, it's going to be global no, warming. I, I, I get don't know it. What. I get it. Uh, there there, there will be an ongoing attempt to deny. The um, I do believe, uh, venturing into the rel related political sphere, that we are going to see uh, a, uh, a turn in... Um, in the party's uh, control of House and Senate. We've already seen, people aren't generally aware of this, but in terms of voting in the Senate right now, it's 49 to 50 in favor of the Republicans because one of the Democrats that was highly vaccinated, and rumor has it, he received his third jab um, uh, in, with some sort of temporal association to uh, stroke 
uh, that has been significantly severe uh, to result in his uh, um, ho uh, more prolonged hospitalization. And the speculation is that that clinical course uh, may be uh, more prolonged and hopefully not terminal. Uh, so that's that's taken. Currently, we have the senator from New Mexico is no longer able to vote, uh, but still holds the position. He's 49. Um, he's uh, 49 years old, Jill tells me. Uh, so uh, so there's as as we move through this uh, in the short term, there is a significant movement to uh, um, defund the mandates on the Senate side, and uh, that vote may come up shortly. And then there, uh, I hear intelligence that the Bush, that the, uh, sorry, that was uh, Freudian. Um, uh, the Biden administration is uh, preparing a speech to the effect of uh, rationalizing, dropping the mandates globally, and that might include the Department of Defense. Uh, currently, we have something like 10% of uh, military warfighters in the United States are not fully vaccinated. And so they're at, at risk in the very short term of being terminated uh, with this kind of hybrid, uh, not quite dishonorable discharge thing that they're doing. And, uh, but loss of pension and other benefits. Uh, that... Um, uh, so a loss of 10% of the warfighters uh, would would significantly compromise readiness. And uh, so I think there are multiple vectors uh, pushing to uh, stop the mandates. You think it's because the, the truckers are coming, Robert? No, I they, they are afraid of the truckers, though. And, and as you know, Pierre, they've put in place... Uh, this Department of Homeland Security statement that labels anyone uh, purveying what they determine to be mis or disinformation, which would cause uh, um, uh, concern about the government and its policies. So it's it's explicitly linked to a political endpoint. Are are basically now being labeled uh, domestic terrorists or at risk of being so labeled with the attendant uh, events. We have now Trudeau. So one of the things in terms of looking forward, we we now have uh, um, a precedent with Trudeau and with the GoFundMe campaign of uh, collusion between banks and Silicon Valley uh, to uh, withhold funds or Trudeau access people's bank accounts and uh, block their access to funds. So this this is this is more fuel on a fire, Tommy. I'm sorry to say many, it's not me, many, many analysts that I'm hearing from, including uh, even people at the highest levels in in the Senate, are are anticipating some sort of major financial event. And that could have an event horizon in the next two months, uh, maybe as soon as the end of this month. So another prediction that relates to all this is uh, that that there may be an, a major financial event uh, in terms of the virus getting back on track to our core competency. Uh, I think that that uh, there is a growing awareness in a variety of uh, forums, including particularly the stock market. So that that <clears throat> um, Pfizer and Moderna have not been transparent about the data and the risks. And, uh, and that, that is, uh, the, the, that is uh, creating significant risk of uh, downside, financial downside in those stocks. And uh, there seems to be a movement to uh, unload uh, by long uh, investors, long-term investors, uh, and this includes the CEO of Moderna, mm -hmm. who's been dumping his stock for quite a while now. And you've seen Moderna take a significant haircut. Uh, the prediction is that both Moderna and Pfizer uh, will take a significant haircut. And there are 
analysts, senior, highly seasoned analysts, suggesting that uh, uh, Pfizer is at significant risk also financially. And Pfizer's uh, internal uh, SEC filings have recently been modified to acknowledge uh, some of these risks, uh, which they have to do if they're not going to get uh, cleaned by the SEC. I mean, I just got some today. Moderna's down, lost $140 billion as of 11 a.m. Yeah, so so people are starting to run for the exits, and uh, and the shorts are are in on on this uh, for both these stocks. Um, there there is uh, in Canada quite a bit of speculation that Justin Trudeau and his family's foundation holds forty percent of Acuitas. Acuitas is the uh, manufacturer of the catalytic lipids that are used by Pfizer and the formulation technology. It's privately held. Uh, so there, there appears that there may be a major financial conflict of interest on the part of uh, Mr. Trudeau. You gotta be uh, kidding me. How long have you known this, Robert? Um, I have known that there was speculation uh, that this might be the case. Remember, I know uh, um, Peter Cullis, uh, the academic at the University of British Columbia that gave rise to Acuitas, and I've spoken to him uh, over time, including over the last couple of years, a couple of times. Uh, I've known him professionally for decades. Uh, he would not take my calls last night when I was seeking to verify these this information about ownership. So there's there's a there uh, there's uh, financial COI issues. Uh, that are going to come to floor. Uh, there are um, failure to disclose risks uh, issues that are going to come to floor. Remember, we still have the uh, bundle of documents uh, waiting to drop sometime this summer from Pfizer under court order, and the court seems to be uh, not um, uh, finding uh, the argument that Pfizer should be the one doing the redaction on behalf of the FDA to be very compelling. Uh, but that has not yet been ruled on. Uh, so uh, I predict that there are um, significant safety uh, risk data within that package and uh, evidence of failure to uh, perform uh normal or to comport, let's say, with normal policies and procedures for uh, the uh, non-clinical and clinical testing of, of these vaccines, uh, in the case, in that case, in, uh, Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine that will drop in addition to uh, um, more granular safety data than, than the CDC has seen fit to disclose. I, uh, let's see, other predictions. Um, in, a, in addition to the, uh, um, we mentioned the oncology risks in the DOD database. Uh, there, there are, are the, the data set is quite substantial and its analysis is still on progress. There will be a filing uh, this Friday uh, in court that will include a partial analysis of these additional data. And then the data analysis is ongoing, but um, it, it does appear, I'm told, that the DOD, the, the, the primary DOD data um, from the DMSS and DMED systems that appear to have been subsequently edited after the whistleblower disclosed them uh, it, it does appear that uh, the general profile um, and relative incidents of many of these uh, adverse events that are being reported are consistent with bears. Uh, what's a little fascinating about the DOD data set is that it was fully available to the NIH and to the CDC and presumably the FDA. And so as if, if that story crystallizes the way it appears that it bite, um, then uh, there, there's going to have to be accountability uh, throughout HHS for why these signals weren't detected. The signals also include reproductive risks. Uh, we already know that uh, um, 
the, the CDC is now acknowledging, although trying to minimize the dysmenorrhea, the alteration in menses that have been reported by women all over the world uh, repeatedly, uh, as well as by the Orthodox Jewish uh, rabbi community. Uh, and um, uh, in terms of basic biology, uh, menstruation is driven by the ovary. And uh, so these alterations in menstrual cycle are consistent with the um, uh, speculated risk of the positively charged synthetic lipids going to ovary, ovarian tissue. Uh, and um, uh, so that, that uh, these things are all kind of converging on the reproductive risk being a real event. Uh, and that would potentially have implications all the way down to the children. Uh, I, I predict that there's uh, a low probability that we're going to see the uh, um, uh, regulatory package for the five and under uh, allowed. Um, uh, uh, the, the statements are that uh, after two doses, they're not seeing something that they're looking for. And so they're going to delay decision until they have the data in on the third dose for the pediatric, um, basically, um, uh, infant cohort. And uh, um, I predict that what what we're, what is behind this is not necessarily a safety signal because they've dropped the dose quite a bit, but an efficacy signal. So that uh, as as we know, these these vaccines are poorly matched for Omicron. I predict that uh, the impetus for an Omicron-specific vaccine is going to drop. Uh, we, we may or may not see that roll out experimentally. I, I doubt that we're going to see that uh, um, being authorized. Uh, so the risks, um, back to that with the DOD data. So we had the reproductive risks we have the uh, um, uh, risks associated with oncology cancer uh, that seem to be uh, manifesting. Uh, we have the expected or anticipated cardiovascular risks. Uh, I think that we're going to see more autoimmune and inflammatory disorder uh, disease. I think that we're going to see a significant level of neuropathy um, come to fore and and uh, be realized. I, I think that there is a reasonable chance that we're going to see um, a some form of a immune deficiency uh, that might be primarily T cell uh, manifest uh, associ associated with these vaccines. And it may be that it is dose dependent. In other words, people with three jabs have it worse than two, than one. Uh, I think that we are, I, I can't see if, if the House and the Senate turn that we aren't going to see uh, a major push to restructure uh, the Department of Health and Human Services in a substantial way. That's what I want to talk about, Robert. That's a that that's that that I think is quite possible. At least I'm very hopeful that that there's going to be a real critical look if the parties change power. Again, it's going to still be very partisan, right? There's going to be a lot of defensiveness and rationalization, and you know, difficult time. We made the decisions we did, but that underlying rot that is not unique to COVID and has been going on for decades that has surfaced so that more people can see it than ever before, Bingo. that now has to be addressed, right? That's the elephant in the room that used to be hidden. Maybe it wasn't an elephant. Maybe it was a mouse before. Now, now it's an elephant. Bingo. But it's not new. I had a, I had a call today uh, with a uh, former FDA um, senior uh, staff that uh, is more conservatively aligned that uh, was an advisor to the uh, um, director, uh, and um, uh, he he uh, was quite clear about what he's observing. Um, uh, 
Califf has been confirmed, Fenstig. Um, so Jill just uh, showed me that Califf has now been confirmed for FDA, uh, which means that Janet Woodcock is out. Um, what this gentleman told me was that the uh, director of CEDAR um, uh, actually has more power than the overall director of FDA because they control the authorization of the um, uh, new drug applications. And uh, he spoke at length about the conflicts of interest that are driving what, what is really a self-censorship on the part of FDA reviewer staff because they know that if their name is affixed to a dossier that uh, has significant, raises significant concerns about a drug, their uh, probability of getting a nice, uh, juicy, um, you know, high six-figure salary job after they depart the FDA uh, will vanish. Um, That's how the wheels go around, Robert. Yep. So, so this guy uh, uh, has, he writes for Forbes right now, and I think we're going to see uh, more information coming out from him to document the the, the ways in which this corruption has settled in and hopefully get towards some uh, mediation, remediation. But then, then I think the big, big story of uh, the next three years, I hope, is going to be in Pierre's wheelhouse, which is the compromise of our healthcare system and our insurance healthcare insurance industry and uh, what the heck are we going to do about that? Dr. Corey? I thought you were going to say, <clears throat> when you said my wheelhouse, I thought you were going to say the takeover and corruption mediated by the levers of media, social media, because, uh, I mean, nothing that has happened in the last two years wouldn't have been done without the total control of those levers um, to that objective. And so... Actually, you know, it's interesting, Robert, you give a long answer and you touched on a lot of developments and, and where they're they're all in motion right now. All of those things are happening and how far they might go. But you didn't mention media. Is there going to be an accounting? Is there going to be a, you know, like you, you even mentioned the possibility that char parties change power and there could be an effort at restructuring and looking at how to restructure, for instance, HHS. Okay. Like, the, 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 you know, I'm, I'm curious and I have my own thoughts. I don't know that it'll happen, but because here's, here's what I would say about media. And again, I'm not a media expert. I haven't followed, but my sense is that those people who are awakening are becoming, just like I said, they're now awake of the rot in the pharmaceutical industry. They're now understanding that they've been lied to repeatedly throughout wide swaths of media and social media and censored. And so those institutions in society, I think, are also going to be taken to task. How will they self-reform? I mean, they do follow the money, right? So if the eyeballs and, you know, and, and the viewers go elsewhere, there may be some impetus for self-reform and honesty and objectivity, um, but I don't know. So the way I hear the story um, uh, so we've got kind of two interlaced compartments that, of course, are also horizontally integrated with the with pharma. Right. That's exactly. Tech. Um, and uh, what uh, what I'm hearing is that there is a quid pro quo uh, relationship between big tech and government, the current administration, where wherein the Democrats are. Uh, holding back on legislation and regulatory action to break up the big tech conglomerates. And the quid pro quo is the big tech conglomerates are doing the bidding of uh, the current administration in by uh, controlling um, uh, information and, and messaging. Uh, so I don't have the sources you do, Robert, but I had a, I had a conversation with, a longtime veteran White House official, and he basically said the same thing, that it's essentially, I mean, they're, they're basically part of the White House, not even a question, and the government. Yeah. So, 
so that that would imply that there will be an effort to break these up, but the the pushback, um, I think personally, where my little band of warriors is, and we're now connecting with many others uh, internationally. The, the topic area of the World Economic Forum and their role in all of this is coming to fore. What what and and so that's the counterweight is the WEF through its young leaders programs and there's other programs has trained thousands and thousands of uh, basically uh, leaders or influencers that have been then embedded into all the Western democracies uh, up to the cabinet level, and in some case, executive level. And uh, Justin Trudeau being a notable example, uh, Macron being another one, uh, Boris Johnson being another one. Uh, apparently, Putin is a graduate <laughs> of the World Economic Forum uh, process. And so uh, these, these people seem to be, it seems to have been that the World Economic Forum trainees uh, that are now in positions of power are the ones that have been uh, the most uh, aggressive with uh, um, promotion of of these kind of authoritarian uh, state positions enforcing and in, in mandating the vaccines. And those folks are, are not going to give up easy. They seem to mostly double down. Yep. Uh, so, so that's the counterpoint to the uh, the optimist version. Pierre's giving the optimist version of of what's going to happen with media and tech, and I'm giving the the uh, contrapositive. Uh, that's fancy statistical medical talk, um, uh, uh, meaning the opposite, uh, um, uh, which is that uh, the World Economic Forum uh, crew is not going to go down easy. Uh, and and their the data, in to my eye, are getting stronger and stronger. That that is the organization that kind of is the, forgive the uh, Lord of the Rings metaphor, uh, holds the one ring that rules them all. Well, Robert, uh, let me let me link my optimism with your, you know, and I first learned this from you in talking with you. This this common link of these leadership programs coming out of the WEF and how how you look at all these world leaders and they all have this common genesis, right? And so, I mean, it's absolutely terrifying. But again, I'm just going to go back to that stuff I would have never known. Most of us would never know that. No one was made that like, you know, people like you have a voice. All of us were calling foul and looking to see where all this depravity, where all this corruption is coming from, because it's not just one source. It does have a central source. Mm -hmm. And as we, as and I wouldn't say even the U.S. population, a global population, because like you mentioned, we have little bands like uh, just like us in every single country. We've reached out some of our personal relationships. We're all speaking out. And so I do think there's going to be a collective mass of people who are now going to look at this stuff and make these links and understand more deeply how things work, how power is corrupted and consolidated and, and acted on. And so, again, I'm going to my pie eyed optimism with that knowledge. Right. Comes power. But like maybe we'd be a little bit more wary of the next globalist who comes out of WF running for president of a major country. Maybe uh, I. So that's that's our goal with my little band of pirates uh, is to out them. Yes, uh, exactly. To make a, a compendium listing the names and naming where they're currently placed, because it's not just in government. They're all through tech and the banking sector and the media, just like uh, for those of you who, you know, uh, this is not a conspiracy theory, just like the, the uh, Trusted News Initiative is not a conspiracy theory. Look up Operation Mockingbird and the CIA. Um, uh, the, the government intelligence community places uh, individuals uh, throughout the media to influence uh, opinions and behavior uh, in in ways that are aligned with the government's interests. That's that's just a fact. Uh, you know what the the question in my mind is, or or let me put it this way: 
when I, when I write about these things on social media, which I love as a forum for getting feedback from people, uh, what, what comes back to me is uh, a lot of skepticism about whether the electoral process has been compromised already to such an extent that uh, voting uh, is not going to be a remedy. Yeah, so I, I need I need a I need a, to jump in to insert what I was going to say. I'm glad you talked about Operation Mockingbird. Every Operation Mockingbird will be complete when everything the U.S. public believes is false. CIA Director William H. Casey. The point yep, of me long bringing, time ago. Yeah, 50s. The point of me bringing up all of this, and this is to actually disagree with what you said, Doctor Corey. You know, if it's a financial thing, it's outside of your wheelhouse. Or as Doctor Ballone said, back to what we're talking about in our fields of expertise. I would say is incorrect. You need to zoom out to not the 30,000 foot view, but to the 100,000 foot view. Yeah. What is it? It's something going on. It's experts talking out and it's entrenched power structures shutting it down. If Joe Rogan's podcast existed in 2000, he would be called a misinformation spreader for talking about how Saddam does not have WMDs. If Joe right. Rogan's podcast existed in 2008, he'd be called a misinformation spreader for talking about the coming financial collapse. What you have to do is make predictions, and so no one will listen to these predictions, but when X amount of time passes and people see that they are accurate, the next thing coming, maybe it's not Dr. Malone and Dr. Corey, maybe it's financial gurus, or maybe it's shipping gurus or whatever, people are going to go, do you remember the last time everyone started getting censored and then it came out in like 2028 that there was collusion between the FDA and like 6 million people died because of that? That is why I think it's important for you two to make predictions now because it transcends COVID. It transcends financial collapses. It transcends the next war. You have to put your foot down now. And you see all those stories of veterans of Vietnam who saw the Iraq war happening and they said, I know exactly what this is. I know exactly what this You don't listen to them. But now we have two. Now we have two examples of people going, I saw, the, I saw Vietnam. I saw Iraq. And now they're going, don't do Ukraine. Don't right. do Taiwan. So to me, that is the importance is because it will it doesn't matter if it's COVID and it's you guys. It's everything. It's the only way you have to show by example that these things are corrupted, that there is total capture of these things. Sorry for that little side rant. But that's, no, no, that's I think your points are well made. Well made. Dr. Corey, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's funny. My thoughts are really humble, you know. When I listen to Robert, I mean, Robert has, you know, this immense amount of connections. I mean, he's been... Uh, you know, world figure in pandemic responses in high levels of government and health, uh, you know, health agencies and whatnot, um, with a much more varied career than mine. You know, I was thinking like, I'm not in the prediction business. And up until two years ago, I was buried in an ICU. My sole focus was like on how to resuscitate the dying patient and teach that skill to my trainees. Like I was, I was solely an educator. That's all I did. I tried to figure out how to do that, do, do that better and pass that knowledge on. And like, and now that I've been sort of excommunicated <laughs> and launched into this, you know, what I call this global war on repurposed drugs, um, I'm getting a crashed course in life and I'm figuring out how things work. I get to hang out with guys like Robert and, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from him as well as a, a number of other colleagues. And, you know, piecing all these parts together and seeing how they work, I mean, it's it's been uh, fascinating, unsettling, terrifying, Um and, you know, and also where I'm learning most is looking backwards. Like, you know, the st stuff I know now, when I look backwards, I'm like, oh, that explains that and that and that and the other thing, you know. And so, yes, maybe that is a skill I can develop as, as going forward. I mean, I liked Robert's answer to the opening of this this podcast where he touched on like a whole bunch of these things that are happening and where we think they're going to go, Um Again, I'm not in the prediction business, but, um, and again, I think I'm too optimistic, right, Robert? <laughs> like, well, my answer is like, well, now that we know this, we'll fix this and I'm, it'll be better. I'm, I'm, I'm with <laughs> and you. Robert's smiling. I, mean, I can see you, Robert. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Dr. Corey. I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist. And then I'll have on former Delta Force guys and they'll be like, you need to stack ammo, stack water and sight in your guns. And I'm like, but what if we all start seeing the goodness in one another and people yeah, exactly. start loving more and they're like That's two me. in the chest one in the eyes tom know how to boil water and i'm like but maybe love conquers and they're like you're gonna be the first casualty 
But that's pretty funny, Tommy. I like that. that that's, they, that's really good. They, but they you, you, you're going to be the first counselor. I'm going to be the first. You're going to you're gonna, you're gonna come try to resuscitate me, and you're going to get a bullet in the head. Exactly. Yeah, Doctor Malone's going to be a Norad. He's a he's a thinker. Doctor Malone, <laughs> your thoughts? Well, on that point, as I said on Tucker the other day, uh, I used to be in the uh, if they can't see you, they can't shoot you camp. But the the force of the situation kind of pushed me out of my foxhole. Yeah. I I do think that, so this is the teaching of Matthias Desmond. We must continue to be the objectors and uh, to, to raise our concerns and to speak our truth or else the whole society goes even deeper into the crazy land. And, uh, and we have to do it peacefully uh, quietly, um, you know, not, not aggressively. I, I mean, quietly in the sense of let's not get hyperbolic and, and overly animated that, but, but we have to do it, uh, because otherwise, or, or, or we can go home and, and just retreat to our bunkers. I'm not sure, Robert, you know that you've said that stockpile rice and beans. Um, but, uh, that's not how I'm wired. And clearly that's not how Pierre's wired. Pierre, it's been, he spoke about watching my trajectory over the last two years, but I've watched uh, Pierre um, become a very forceful speaker. Uh, his, his comments uh, on the Lincoln Memorial about uh, the drug industry are uh, for the ages. And uh, I think that, that he has a very important voice here to uh, uh, speak his truth, uh, somehow, somehow we this this is a resolvable problem. The question is, do we have the uh, um, do we have the spine? Do do we have uh, the the uh, willingness to commit to solving it? I I'm uh, I'm going to be uh, on on the hill soon. I'm not supposed to talk about it too much. And uh, one of the things I've been cautioned about is that uh, the majority of the members are, by the hill I'm referring to the Capitol, uh, um, and uh, the majority of the members are uh, still uh, well behind us in terms of their awareness of what's happened. And uh, I am I, I'm counseled to be very gentle uh, in trying to bring them forward to an awareness of, of the reality of the situation because they're really not ready to hear it. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's probably true for a lot of the population. Robert, um, that point you just made is so interesting because, you know, when you, you know, that's a really important audience. And when they're behind and we're so far, and I don't want to say we're advanced or so far ahead, but we, I've been so immersed and I've had such an, this fascinating and rich network of colleagues who, you know, data analysts and experts who've been skeptical and questioned, have their own areas of expertise, many of them unconflicted, who know certain truths. And most of the population, including a lot of the capital, right, is behind. They're still steeped in a lot of false narrative. And the thing is, you can't go from here all the way to here in like one speech, right? You almost got to like spoon feed them a little bit to bring them along. Otherwise, you're going to be appear like incredible and completely out there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be baby steps. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to be a little painful. And uh, we're going to get attacked for... Um, being controlled opposition and uh, for not speaking sufficiently forcefully, we're going to get attacked from both sides. Right. Right. Uh, we already are. And that's, that's, uh, but that's, you know, that's, that's the fate that we've signed up for here. Right. Exactly. Um, if, if we're to succeed, uh, um, uh, we don't, we don't have, uh, um, uh, you know, we don't have a tank corps uh, that we can just come in and blast away. <laughs> We're going to have to be more like uh, uh, special ops and uh, have have strategic strikes and take guerrilla tactics. Uh, but I I do think so. The I'm worried 
sincerely worried about the uh, health consequences of specifically of these genetic vaccines. Um, now that we know that the RNA persists for at least 60 days and maybe beyond because they didn't sample longer than that, that is completely unnatural. And that the levels that 98, something like 95 to 98% of the people uh, vaccinated with the genetic vaccines of either type, uh, the RNA vaccines uh, can have uh, high levels of detectable spike protein in their blood. Uh, and, and in many of those, they persist for at least 60 days. That's not natural. And that's in contrast to a little under 8% of people with natural infection have spike protein that's detectable by the same assay in their blood. So, so we, we, we do have this growing body of data that's consistent with the adverse events. Um, and I fear that the worst case scenarios that we all chalked up to conspiracy theories about, uh, you know, the phrase is mass casualty event. That seems a little hyperbolic, but a uh, significant um, loss of life and, and uh, disability um, wave, uh, um, in, including within our uh, warfighter population, which if there's any one population that, that overall we can all agree that we don't have, we, we don't want to be physically compromised, that would be it. And it's, of course, a population that is, uh, you know, particularly close to Tommy and, and his, his audience. Over. Robert, you know what a random weird thought just came to me? That's a really scary thought. People going for life insurance, what's the chances that the question, have you been vaccinated, shows up on that? Oh, you know it's coming. And not in a good way, not, not because they want to make sure that your health is protected. They want to know what is your risk factor for everything that you just talked about. And that will be an adverse score on your life insurance uh, policy. I, I can't see how it doesn't happen. They don't have any choice because of these actuarial table uh, calculations. They're, that industry is going to take a major hit. We already know that. And I'm going to take it. You know what the price of life insurance is going to be? It Out of your range. It, it won't matter, Pierre, because you and I are the Probably first won't. You and I are the first casualties. We don't. It won't matter. We're done. But, <laughs> There's that. Um, There's that. The, so the, the kind of the closing the closing thought, because I know I got to let you guys run, is I don't know if you saw uh, from February 9th, so six days ago, Moderna tweeted, what if mRNA could treat life-threatening cardiovascular diseases such as heart failure? We are collaborating with AstraZeneca on an mRNA therapeutic, AZD8601, that encodes for VEGF proteins injected directly into the heart. Kind of like, kind of like the Oxycontin epidemic and then introducing Suboxone. They are now talking about mRNA vaccines to cure. Tommy, what was my first answer? My first answer was the words, it was centered around the words doubling down. Yeah. Okay. That is simply an example of doubling down. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. And um, with that, Dr. Pierre Corey, Dr. Robert Malone, thank you so much. Hold on. Don't go anywhere. Recording stopped.